The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. Got your Bible, turn to Luke. If you could, turn to Luke chapter 15. And while you're finding your way to Luke 15, I'm going to tell you about a story I found about two weeks ago about a dog. Now, I, um, we have been dog people in my family for a long time, and I learned early on uh, it's best to, watch, to, to train your dog and watch your dog and learn about how what its mannerisms are before you let it outside to go uh, do dog business. Uh, we, uh, our kids were real small, all about uh, elementary school, early elementary school age, and we had gone camping in Oklahoma, and um, on the, a sign at the state park, entrance as you come in someone had put up a sign that said basset hounds fifty dollars now back then for us fifty dollars well that's not expensive but it was a lot to pay for a dog because most dogs just kind of appeared at our property most of the time and that's how we got them but we went and picked up that basset hound and it was uh probably the first purebred animal we had had in our uh in our family and he was didn't have papers but he's a purebred purebred uh basset hound and I didn't know much about him. This dog, our kids loved it. It was a lot of fun, well-behaved, didn't do any of the bad things that dogs do when it comes in the house. It was a good dog. As she got bigger, she got a little more curious about what was outside. And I don't know if you know what basset hounds do, but they track. They smell, get a smell of something, and they uh, go after that, and sometimes they get very... Uh, bent on trying to find whatever that is that they have smelled and they just run and run and run and Daisy would be gone for uh, hours sometimes she would go out in the woods we lived uh, there was uh, a 90 acre public area behind us and our little property and that uh, that dog would go out there and I guess she was chasing rabbits I just assumed she was chasing rabbits one day Daisy went out and she got lost and all the last I heard of Daisy is I heard a faint a bellowing of a basset hound as it disappeared off into the distance. Now, that dog could still be running somewhere as, 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 as bent as she was on tracking that day. Somebody got themselves a free basset hound uh, somewhere many miles from Arkadelphia, Arkansas. So I understand this story. I know the feeling of this. Our kids were very sad when that happened. This, do- this uh, dog named Lucy went camping with uh, the family from all the way from Buffalo, New York, down into North Carolina, this is the Calto family, and the, uh, the dog was doing well, well behaved, a golden retriever, and uh, right about dark, someone decided they wanted to set off fireworks. Now, a lot of dogs are okay with fireworks, but there are some that can't stand it, and they, it really uh, hurts their feelings when you set off fireworks. So the, the fireworks went off, and her name was Lucy. Lucy broke loose, and she ran out into the woods, and they, could, they couldn't find her. This was back in um, back in April. Now, all summer long, everybody in that part of North Carolina got very involved in the search for Lucy. Uh, people would ride the community with. Uh, there was one particular man that ride the community with a big placard picture of Lucy uh, in his hands while he biked through the community, telling everybody we're trying to find this dog. The whole community checked their uh, ring cameras to see if Lucy had been in the neighborhood. And uh, there were some spots, some uh, sightings, by the way. People saw Lucy from time to time. And um, they, it got so desperate that it made the news, local news. 
After that, the local news uh, showed the story, and some national news pick it, picked it up. So Lucy became a national headline, dog lost camping due to fireworks. So Lucy's out on the loose. The family had to go back to Buffalo, New York, and they decided to employ this. Well, they didn't hire them. They about the, the group volunteered a professional dog search and rescue team uh, helped find Lucy. Now, she was found about two weeks ago. They called the local news, called the family to see how they were doing, to discuss some leads they had uh, about the, the missing dog. And um, while they confessed to tricking the family, and while they were talking to them uh, via satellite, the, um, they brought the dog out on the stage, and, uh, of course, it was Lucy, and everybody began to cry, and everybody was happy, and Lucy had found her home. Her family got in the car and drove all the way to North Carolina through the night without stopping and picked up their dog. That's a good story. It's a good, it's a good end to a sad story. Now, we're going to look at scripture today that Jesus speaks to us about how we are to be concerned about those that are lost and away from him. Those that have strayed. I'm going to read to you from the NIV. And we'll start in chapter 15 of Luke. And I'll begin before the story because before the story matters a lot. It sets the context of this passage. Starting with verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. So you got two groups of people listening to Jesus teach that day. You have tax collectors and sinners. That's the folks that are obviously in this culture away from God. Those that aren't of his people. Those that are are, uh, blatantly sinning people. Turning from God. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So you got this other group here listening to the stories that day, and they were the ones that were the religious people of the day, and they were uh, having little trouble being in the presence of sinners. Then Jesus told them, verse 3, this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. So Jesus is laying before us in this passage. He's saying to us that he cares infinitely about those that are lost. Now, I would think that most of us here feel the same way. We care infinitely about those that are lost. And we're not going to allow ourselves to get caught up in um, a religious stature that causes us to judge those that are lost so severely that we don't leave the door open for them to make the clunk at the door when they come in. We care about people that don't know Jesus. Now, I don't know if that's true for everyone, but I bet there's a day that you did not care for people that are not, that are not like religious people. I, uh, I've said this before. I spend a lot of time in, in um, New Orleans and in cities around the, really around the country. Um, probably the more, one of the more uh, diverse cultures or, or uh, blatantly anti-Christian cultures I've been in is in Portland, Oregon. Now, Portland was on my top five favorite cities list for a while. Now it's not. Uh, it is a difficult town to be in. They have um, 
they are very compassionate as a, a, a government culture there, and they allow, they really take care of homeless people. Homeless people come in, they feed them, they, they have laws passed to help them. There's even a tax uh, for the restaurants in, in the downtown area that is used to help support uh, homeless uh, outreach. So that, but that attracts a group of people that are difficult for us to be around because they're so different than us. They made choices that have put them in a bad situation. Um, the state BCM directors met there last year, Baptist Collegiate Ministry directors, and uh, we're all meeting. Our wives come to the meeting. They break out, tour the city, and we go through our business of the day. And uh, while they were out, um, that group of ladies was confronted by another lady, a homeless lady on the street, that was trying to sell them some crack. Now, that alone made them a little unnerved, but they're ministerial people, so they had nice composure dealing with that and talked with her kindly and and um, tried to help her out and those kind of things without buying the crack from her. And one lady refused to take this, this these drugs that she was trying to give to her, so the homeless lady punched her in the face. Now, that sets up a us versus them, doesn't it? There's people that are so far from God, it's difficult for us to have compassion on them because we know that their choices have put them in the situation that they are in. They've made some bad decisions along the way. They've been put in some bad circumstances, and they have been separated from God in their lifestyle and the way that they live. So let's go on down and look at the next next passage. Verse 8. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, I I don't know if you've had this feeling before where you uh, have gone somewhere in a business or maybe in, even at church, and you've left your phone. Now, phone may not mean a lot to everybody, but it means a lot to a lot of people. It is important to me because it was issued to me by my, my uh, company, my Louisiana Baptist, and they said to me, this thing costs as much as a computer. Don't lose it. So I have a, a very tight rein on that phone. Matter of fact, while I was think, thinking, ready to talk about this, I patted my pants to make sure it was here. So much that I've gone through, I've created this dance I call the I've lost my phone dance. Uh, the I've lost my phone dance is first you pat both front pockets, then you pat the back pockets, then you pat the, the chest pockets to see if it's in there somewhere, then you turn left, then you turn right, I've been trying to turn that into a dance, but it's not catching on. I've left my uh, phone in places before, jumped out of the truck in the parking lot, and I don't run much anymore, but I ran back in to get that phone because it was lost and needed to be found. That that, uh, fervor, that energy, that desire, that passion should be the passion of us toward those that don't know Christ and those that are far from him. I have um, all these BCM directors doing kickoff week, you know, the campus ministry around the, the, the state right now, and there, there'll be parties here, parties there, and help people move into dorms and 
Um, I think last night was neon dance night. I mean, there's just something going on everywhere all the time. Tonight, I'm doing a prayer walk on a campus with a group of people. Tomorrow, I'm helping them inflate inflatables out on the lawn. All of that is to help people uh, find the Lord. Put them in a situation where they can know Jesus. I got a text about, well, last night I I texted the whole group and I asked them, do you ever take groups of people through the New Testament and mark the, and mark the Roman road and teach them how to share the gospel? And one after another have been chiming in all night and this morning of how they did that. And by eight o'clock this morning, they had decided they're going to raise the money to get 10,000 New Testaments to spread out to students across the state. That are they want New Testaments that are marked with how to be saved. Just a short amount of time. They're people that are hungry to see people come to know Christ. They would desire for the lost to be found, for that lost coin to be restored. Now we get to the story of the lost son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, um, there's a lot we can uh, discuss and analyze, and this has been preached many, many times. Uh, Tim um, Keller has written a book called The Prodigal. I don't know if you've read this book. This book discusses the, the perspective of how uh, there's really two lost sons involved here. There's the lost son who rebelled and rejected God or his father and ran and ran away. And then there's the other son who's lost because all of the things he does, he does just so he can get what he wants out of the father. He's obedient so he can get what he wants. He uh, is uh, faithful to the to the ranch, the farm or the ranch or whatever they live on the estate so that he can inherit the estate when the father dies. So these two, these two sons are both far from a intimate relationship with their father. They're concerned about themselves. But first, this passage discusses this, this son that rebelled. When he says he sold his property, the word for there, the Greek word there is bios. What he, what he's saying, the writer is saying in this is that he divided everything that was his life. Bios. I'm giving away my my way of maintaining our our family, so that you can have this request of your inheritance. You know that a a, they, a person of the land, a farmer of the land, would need all their land. They need the economies of scale that it took to have all of that to support all the infrastructure of the the servants and the uh, the slaves and the workers and the family. It, it supported all of them. When you cut one-third of it off, it takes away the very life of the farm. But he he sold that anyway. He sold that one-third of the farm, and he gave that to that son. And he became the prodigal. And the word prodigal means this. It means means to spend without hesitation. I'm going to, you give me this. You ever ever know someone that that, uh, money just goes right through their hands, right out of the bottom of their pockets, and they can't hang on to anything? That's a prodigal. A person that can't stay off the Internet buying things all the time because they just need to have that fix of buying something and having it shipped to their house. They love seeing that that, uh, UPS truck pull up the front yard and dropping off that box for something that they bought. They just love that the, the thrill of that. 
can't wait to buy a new truck they can't afford or a house they can't afford or whatever it might be. That is the, the word picture for this prodigal. Getting rid of anything of value uh, to receive a, a gratification instantly. So that's the son. He goes off and spends that money. He spends that, that inheritance. <clears throat> so this inheritance caused, this, this asking for his inheritance caused great financial instability in the family. And asking for that was not just a taking away from the, the, the lifestyle and what supported the lives of that family, but it was saying to the father, I don't, I don't want you, I just assume you be dead. Because I want my inheritance now. It's a rejection of the father. And he said, I, I want what you have to offer, and I don't, I don't want a relationship with you. Verse 13. Not longer than, long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this inter- internet uh, meme. A little boy is uh, asked like he's in a math, math class, what if Tommy ha- has one dollar and he has one quarter and he has two pennies. What does Tommy have? And the little boy says, he broke. He don't have anything. This guy's broke now. He doesn't have anything anymore. He's lost. He's given away and squandered it all. He's at the point of complete um, dejection away, away from his family and with nothing to sustain his life. Verse 17, when he came to his senses... When he came to his senses, in Vincent's word study, it, it, it discusses this, this word senses. It says the striking expression, he came to himself, puts the state of rebellion against God as a kind of madness. Okay, he came to his senses and realized that rebellion was madness. That he had turned from God, he had turned from his father, and he was in a desperate situation. This, this wake-up call led him to come to himself, led him to decide that he needed to do something right and make this right. You know, people that are away from God do have those moments. They have those moments of coming to their senses, coming to themselves. It may happen when you have an, when they have an automobile accident, and it's a near-death experience. You know, I, uh, last week I experienced one of those, one of those come-to-your-senses moments. It didn't happen to me this time, but it happened to me the first time. Back in 2020, from uh, about March of 2020 to October, uh, we were washing groceries. We were, we were bringing uh, groceries to the front door and wiping them down with alcohol. We would leave the mail out in the sun for a day before we'd bring it in the house. Everybody thought you were going to die of COVID as soon as you went outside and, and breathe the breath. And um, we avoided it so well, so well that uh, we, we got the shots and we did all we were supposed to do. And I went on a hunting trip to Wyoming and a pastor sat down right next to me and just didn't want to tell anybody that he, he had fever that day. And he gave the whole table COVID. So I drove back from Wyoming in a, um, in a snowstorm that year 
and uh, didn't didn't start showing symptoms till right when we got walked in the door here in Pineville. And uh, I was sick for about a month. All the symptoms, all the bad things that you you, you heard about. I, Karen had it. I had it. We were both pretty healthy at the time. We were exercised all the time. We had taken all the medicines we were supposed to, preventatives, but we had this COVID, and it caused us to, uh, to to have to take stock in what happens if you don't make it past this. Those kind of events happen in people's lives, and during those events, they come to their senses. They start thinking about their relationship with God. When people go through divorce, it's a time of going coming to their senses. They lose a job. I've had a church tell me one time that we looked up and nobody was there. We were doing great. And all of a sudden, church was gone. People just didn't come to church anymore. That was around 2020 when that happened, by the way. And suddenly we're aware of the situation that we're in. This young man's aware of his situation. So he comes up with a plan. I will arise and go to my father. He said, and how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. And I will go set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one, like one of your hired servants. You know, he, he was willing. He'd come to his senses to the point he was willing to work to make a wage to create a situation where he could pay restitution to his father where he could set things back right, get right with his his estranged family. That didn't happen, did it? He came back with that attitude of humility, with that uh, being at the bottom of himself, and he said, I I want to come back to be a part of this family. And the the father, instead of rejecting him, loved him completely. And we've seen the example of that father, the example of the Lord and how he receives us. You may not remember what it was like to be lost and away from him, but I can remember. It's been a few years. It's been 40, as a matter of fact. 40 years ago, I was lost. I was at the point of living like a um, a prodigal. Now, I don't mean prodigal in that I was spending everything I had because I didn't have that much to spend. But prodigal in like I was just doing what I wanted to do, as an 18-year-old boy trying to get uh, what I could out of life and uh, didn't really care how I got there. And I found the Lord, and he accepted me and, and loved me and gave me new life in him. Can you remember what it was like to be without him, to be a prodigal that's lost? Just for a second, I, I, I hope that you understood that I was saying that you are people of God with the right attitude. But just for a second, I want us to pretend that we're the Pharisees. All of us here in this room. And when we see people, let's say someone comes in the middle of our group that is away from God. Can we look at them with compassion and not judgment? Can you see a homeless person on the street, a person that lives in a house uh, that's not really a family house, it's anybody who can find a place to squat, lives in that house and drugs is involved and they live terrible lives of uh, of poor choices. Can we see them as God's children that are prodigal that need to come back to him? A church that grows is a church that loves the prodigal. 
A church that's alive is a church that loves the prodigal. Not just loves them, but seeks them and helps to restore them. A church that dies is full of Pharisees. People that are religiously right in order to, to check all the boxes so that they know that they're doing the right thing so they can get what they want when they die. That would be a Pharisee. Now I know because I know uh, so many of you already that you're people that are, that are, are, uh, saved. You, you love the Lord. You care about Him. You're not that Pharisee that sets back and judges people, but you're people that care about the lost. Now it comes down to more than just feeling that way. It comes down to acting that way. What can you do as a church? What can you do as an individual to help reach the lost? To reach out to people that are prodigal. Verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe. That best robe was his robe. That robe was the robe of the father. And this filthy, dejected, prodigal son was clothed in this uh, glorious robe of restoration. He said, bring that best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let's have a feast and celebrate. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So since Daisy, we've had a few lost dogs. A bunch of them. Um, I don't know how much money I've spent on dog restraint equipment. Little kennel runs and leashes and training and just keeping those dogs. But somehow they occasionally find their way out. And uh, this summer, I was taking care of my daughter's uh, dog while she was trying to sell her house in New Orleans. And and this dog was like a family member, treated like it was a Jack Russell Terrier that lived in the house, was loved greatly. Uh, and uh, her name's Louise. And Louise found the creek. And Louise thought she saw a deer on the creek. And Louise was gone before I could blink an eye. She took off. And it was a panic moment for me. I thought, how am I going to tell them that I let Louise get out? Because she had said to me more than once, I don't care what happens to your dog, but don't lose Louise. Well, I went down into the woods, got chiggers, did the whole, uh, I searched and searched and searched. I couldn't find her. Finally, about the time I gave up and I wanted to go back in the house, I did go back in the house in the air conditioning and, uh, and it was about to make the call and say, Louise got out. I had no idea where she's at. Do you have a chip in her? I hope she's chipped. And um, I looked up in the garage, and there's Louise chasing the cat. I opened the back door. Louise came in the house. And right there in that kitchen, I had a little party. Louise was home. Now, I don't even like Louise very much. Matter of fact, if y'all want a dog... 
We had a party and celebrated. Our first BCM, when people would get, when I was living in Arkansas and Arkadelphia, we had people saved all the time, weekly. Weekly, somebody was getting saved on that campus. And every Sunday, we would have a barbecue, and that barbecue was to celebrate who got saved this week. Then it became celebrate who was baptized this week. It became, it was a, a regular thing to celebrate. It created a culture of celebrating people being restored to God. Those that were far from him coming to him. I remember um, we had a, a, a boy from Vietnam that, that gave his life. He was a tennis player. He gave his life to the Lord. His name was Bing. And Bing could celebrate and party like nobody I had ever seen. That guy, when someone got saved, he threw the party. Because he remembered very freshly what it was like to be lost. And then get saved. Here's something interesting that happened with Lucy, the lost. Today's, you can tell somebody when they ask what the sermon was about, he just went to the dogs today. Lucy, the dog that was lost in North Carolina, when she, while she was being looked for, I don't know if you've ever seen a golden retriever up close, but they all look the same. I could not tell my own golden retriever from another one, I promise you. They look, they, they've got a, such a distinct look. And I, I know there's, there are variations. But while they were looking for Lucy, a bunch of fake Lucys turned up. People cited Lucy everywhere. And they, just about every lost golden retriever in North Carolina was placed with their owner because of Lucy getting lost and everyone searching for her. When this church, when you become a group of people that care about the lost Lucy's so much that you're always looking for the lost ones, you will find plenty others. In the process, you will find many, many people that want to, that want to and need to come to Christ. You want, this is how it happens. You create a culture of evangelism. You start looking all the time, your culture changes. And because you're looking, you will see people that are lost. And because you see people that are lost, you'll start to care about people that are lost. And when you start to care about people that are lost, you will start to share with people that are lost. And when you do tell people about Jesus, they will come to him. And people will be saved. When I went to Bunky as their interim pastor, they had not baptized anyone in generations. I had people tell me that we haven't baptized anybody. I know it wasn't true. But they, we haven't baptized anybody here since the 70s. The reason I know it wasn't true because all the, the Sunday school teachers were, you know, children in the 70s that got baptized. But we did see a few people come to Christ early. And they were for sure prodigals. People that didn't fit the crowd. They didn't fit at all. Hard to be around. Some of them hard to sit next to because they smelled so bad. That's the kind of situation that was happening. And those people would come forward and they would accept Christ and they'd be baptized and that church would accept them in as members of the family, as the body, as full as you could possibly be accepted in. Just love them. Love them hard. And because of that, more would get saved. And before you know it, uh, that was the tradition. That was the culture of that church. It's for people to come to Jesus and be baptized. I feel like I preached wet a hundred times at that church. 
from baptizing, getting down out of that uh, baptistry, and coming in the front of the pulpit with wet socks on because I, my, one of my waiters leaked. Uh, second one is because we were baptizing. That was the culture. They cared about lost people. I've been gone a year. Guess what? They're still baptizing. Had nothing to do with me. Nothing. It was the Lord changing that church to become a, a church that loved the prodigal. And when that happened, the prodigals got saved. God's church grew. Acts 2.47 says this. They saw people that were saved come to the church, come to them daily. Daily. The culture was that people would be saved. That's the culture I'm praying for this church. It's a culture that where people know they can come here and be loved. They won't be judged. They won't be thrown out. But they will be accepted and loved and restored and the, and the, the great robe will be put on them of righteousness. Y'all think that's possible? I think it's possible. I've seen it many times. It's possible. Lord, help us be people that hears the door when it clunks. And we're looking for people who don't know you. Help us be people to notice the prodigals. Now, you may find yourself here today and be one of those that is away from God. You've been running. You've been running so hard that that you couldn't hear God's voice if you tried. But something has stopped you in your tracks and you've come to your senses and you said, I need him. I need to return to the Lord. Today's the day to do that. He's calling you. He's wooing you. He's gently drawing you into restoration with him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the story that we've heard many times, but I pray that it will have spoke to our hearts in a new way. And there may be someone in this room that is running from you and they've found the end of themselves and they're not happy anymore. They're worried about the future. They're worried about the situation that they're in. They're worried about their families. They, they're worried about their life after death. And Father, I pray that you would cause them to run to you right now and be restored. That you would give them eternal life through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That they would ask Christ to come into their heart and they would uh, be filled with hope and filled with glory and righteousness. And Father, they would know that they are the restored son. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand with us from the time of invitation, I'll be standing in front of the room to receive you if you want to come and pray and talk about the situation you may find yourself in or just pray about someone else that you care about. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.